Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is the evidence-based podcast that looks into paranormal occurrences that happen here in the United States. I'm your host, Michelle, and while I'm a skeptic by nature, I really do want to be a believer. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and really open to the possibilities of what might be out there. So join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I will present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports, and we will see where the two meet. So join me in exposing the paranormal. Disclaimer before I start into the bones of this episode is there are multiple reports of slavery in this episode, which is a very horrible practice, so I will not be addressing the issue other than its effect on the story. There are also multiple reports of suicide, which can be a very difficult topic, so please be advised that it is addressed in this episode. If you do find yourself needing support, you can always call the National Suicide Hotline in the United States toll-free at 1-800-273-8255. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone about it over the phone, you can visit www.suicidepreventionhotline.org and you can chat with someone virtually online. Now getting into the episode itself, this story brings us to the city of Savannah, Georgia. And this is the Sorrel Weed House. And of course, I'm going to get into the history of the Sorrel Weed House itself before I get into the haunted report. In 1779, Savannah, Georgia saw what was called the Siege of Savannah. And what this was is there was British troops that were occupying the city of Savannah, and American and French troops were trying to push the British out of the city. What resulted was the bloodiest hour of the Revolutionary War. There was over a thousand lives lost during this siege. After the siege was over, a trench was dug to bury the hundreds and hundreds of soldiers who perished, and some were even buried alive as the sick and injured appeared to have been dead at the time that they were put into the trench. After the battle, the bodies were left in the mass grave and were never put into a new grave site. Historians and historical records place the site of the siege directly where the Sorrel Weed Home was eventually built, if not right next to it. The Sorrel Weed Home and nearby buildings are therefore really built over these dead men who died during the siege. Now, getting into Francis Sorrel, who the home is partly named after, he was a half-French and half-Haitian man from Haiti itself, and his family was actually slaves in Haiti. But Francis ended up being able to escape when he was young during a slave revolt. He eventually made his way to America and ended up in Maryland. Eventually in Maryland, he and a man named Henry Douglas opened a shipping company and opened it in Savannah, Georgia. That's what brought him eventually here to build his home. The company they opened in Savannah ended up being very successful. They imported items such as butter, molasses, cotton, and unfortunately slaves were a big part of his importing business. And apparently, his experience with slavery didn't prevent him from engaging in this terrible practice, even though he had to escape from it in Haiti. In September of 1822, he married his wife, 17-year-old Lucinda Moxley. 
and Lucinda was the niece of his partner, Henry Douglas. Her family was quite wealthy as well, and they were also slaveholders. But the two of them were married for just a short time, as just over five years after the two were married, she died of yellow fever. Francis, being the upstanding citizen he is, married Lucinda's younger sister, Matilda, two years after her passing. Eventually, Francis Sorrell ended his relationship with Douglas under amicable terms, though he continued to run the business out of Savannah, Georgia, on his own. Business was pretty good, and it was so good that in 1835, he commissioned to have his home built. And why he did this is he wanted to show the surrounding area how successful he actually was. And this home that he was building would also allow him the space to house the slaves for trading while they were waiting to be transported to their final destination. At the time of the building of his home, he was actually one of the wealthiest men in Savannah, Georgia. It took five years to construct the Sorrel Weed House, and you might think that's a long time. It was completed in 1840, and the reason it took five years is it is an enormous home. It is a mansion for sure. It is 16,000 square feet. He spent $12,000 to have this 16,000 square foot home built, and oddly enough, that's only about $370,000 today. So. Not a bad deal for this gigantic house. Maybe because of all his contacts, they got him a good deal or whatnot. But regardless, after five years, he had his mansion. And it was built in what is known as Regency architecture, which is a symmetrical layout with Greek revival elements. The home has a rectangular floor plan. And what that means is when you come in, there's a large central hallway. And either side of those hallways, there's large rooms on either side. The house also is two stories. It has a raised basement, and it also has an attic. The house was also built with three piazzas. There are two identical piazzas on its sides, and there is also a two-story rear piazza. And you might wonder what a piazza is. Well, it's pretty much just a fancy term for a covered porch. The home presently contains a two-story detached outbuilding as well, which was likely once used as a carriage house in quarters for slaves, though it likely didn't come about until about 1888 or so. Now, Francis really didn't have much luck with his wives, as Matilda actually ended up passing away from a concussion in 1860. In June of 1859, Francis Sorrell sold his home to Henry D. Weed and moved into the three-story townhouse that he had built on the adjacent lot next to the home. So that's how it got its name Sorrell Weed, is the first owner was Francis Sorrell and the second owner was Henry D. Weed. Now, Henry Weed was a very successful businessman who came from Connecticut and his family actually kept the Sorrel Weed home until 1914. After they sold it, the home actually stayed vacant for about 30 years, and finally after it had been sitting there, the preservation movement actually started in the city of Savannah. The Society for the Preservation of Savannah Landmarks stepped in, and what they did is they restored the home and opened it to the public in 1940. 
And this was actually this group's first public exhibit that it went ahead and made public. A year later, though, in 1941, a man named A.J. Cohen Sr., who was a wealthy businessman, bought the home, and he then kept it in his family for about 50 years. The family ended up adding a brick addition onto the home, and why they did this is they were running a clothing store out of it. But then in 1996, a man named Stephen Bader bought the Sorrel Weed House, and he ended up removing that brick addition that had been added onto the home. Also for a period of time, the home was actually rented out, and the rooms were rented for students and others that were looking for more of a short-term place to stay. The home has continued to undergo various restorations, and it is now totally outfitted with period pieces of furniture and decor, though restorations are actually still ongoing, especially in the second floor, which is not complete. In 1954, the building was actually declared a state landmark because of its history and really the sheer beauty of the building itself. You'll have to check out some pictures on social media as it is really a beautiful home. And it was actually one of the first homes to become a historical landmark in the entire state of Georgia. This home has also had its fair share of stardom. Most famously, it was featured in the 1994 movie Forrest Gump. And what you will see with the movie is the opening scene is filmed from the Sorrel Weed Homes rooftop. And this is the scene, for all of you who have watched it, where you see the floating feather in the air. And if you have not seen it, you really should, as it is a timeless classic that everybody who watches it, I've never met anyone who said they didn't like Forrest Gump. In 2005, the Sorrel Weed House reopened as a museum, and this is how it still currently functions even today. You can tour the first floor of the home, the basement, and the carriage house, though you cannot tour the second floor at this time as it is undergoing those restorations. The Sorrel Weed Museum hosts various tours. This includes they do a historic house tour, which covers the history, the architecture, the various antiques and timepieces that are in the home. And it takes you about an hour to do the tour, and it'll set you back about $12. They also do a historical walking tour of the area that includes a more brief account of the home, though I know why you are here, and it is for the ghosts. So, I do want to say that they do offer a wide variety of ghostly adventures, too. There is an hour-long ghostly tour inside the property that is $22, and with this tour, you can explore the home, the courtyards, and the carriage house. And for $30, you can get your hour-and-a-half tour by a prominent area storyteller who is really known for being very good at telling the stories of the home. And if that is not enough, it sounds like you may need a full-fledged investigation. And luckily, they have you covered there. As for $60, you can get a late-night, two-hour lights-out investigation with staff and ghost hunting equipment. And for those of you who want the full ghostly experience for a cool $125, you can engage in a four-hour lock-in event with investigators and equipment. And if you can't guess from lock and event, that is you are in the home, doors are locked, you are hanging out with the ghost for those four hours. Otherwise, you can always wait for an investigation team to hop in with as there are ghost tour groups that do tours and events as well. 
And there are also various investigation teams that will sometimes for a fee let you join in with their personal investigation and hang out with some professionals. And now without further ado, we are going to get into the actual ghostly encounters and haunted reports that are going on at the Sorrel Weed House. And what I'm going to do is get into who is said to be haunting the home and what things people are seeing or hearing, things like that. The first one is, it is thought that Henry Weed and his wife, Sarah Weed, who had acquired the home after the Sorrels, possibly may be some of the spirits that are haunting here. The couple had lived here for about six years when Sarah Weed actually died in 1865 at the early age of 49. It is thought that she passed away in the home, though I couldn't find anything with her death certificate that would state where she died. Not long after, in 1875, Henry Weed himself died as well, and he would have various attachments to the home, and he might have even died in the home itself. Now, Francis Sorrell had 11 children with his two wives, though three of his children actually died at an early age. His one child, named Rodolphin, was the second daughter of Francis and Matilda. Rodolphin was born in 1832 and died at just two years of age. Their third child together, named Anderson, was born in 1832, and Anderson actually died as a small infant. Then, the third child that passed away was named Matilda Ann and was the fourth child of Francis and Matilda. Matilda Ann was born in 1844 and died at the age of six. Now, I don't have any records of how these children died, though only Matilda Ann actually died at the time that the family would have been living in the home. And while she might have passed away in the home, there have actually been no reports of a child haunting the home, no crying or anything like that. So it could possibly be that this young child actually passed on and went into a better place than having to haunt this home for the rest of her eternity. Now, Francis was known to not be the best guy. I mean, obviously, he's running slaves and doing terrible things, but he was known to run around on his wife. And apparently, he was engaged in a secret long-term affair with one of the slave girls named Molly. Molly was said to receive special treatment from Francis and even had her own private quarters above the carriage house. Now, the carriage house was next to the main house, so it would have been pretty convenient for clandestine meetings between Francis and Molly. Now, sadly, at this time, slaves were seen merely as property for the people who owned them, and they were also considered to be below white people. They were seen to worship strange gods, they had strange traditions, and people just didn't understand their culture. It was said that Molly had to use voodoos to seduce Francis and cause what happened to Matilda. Because, of course, it couldn't be that Francis forced himself upon a slave girl who couldn't do anything because, of course, the law isn't going to protect a slave as they're just property, right? And at this time, it wasn't uncommon for slave owners to force themselves sexually on slave women, often resulting in illegitimate children. And if the relationship existed, this is probably your most likely scenario. It's not something that a slave would be able to choose anyway. 
Though Matilda somehow found out about the affair between her husband and Molly, some sources say she heard about it via mouth, others state that she walked in and found them together. Whichever theory it is, at the end of the day, she found out. And she was so distraught about his philandering with the slave girl that she leapt from the second story piazza of the home and actually died in the fall from hitting her head on the flagstone courtyard. Matilda was buried in an unmarked grave, but her son did eventually erect a stone in her honor and put it on the family vault. And it is said that Molly felt so guilty for being the cause of Matilda's death that for weeks she tortured herself about what had happened, till she really just couldn't live with herself anymore. She was discovered in her room, the one in which the affair was carried out, and she was found having committed suicide by hanging herself from a noose from the rafters of the room. And some believe that Matilda's ghost actually led Molly to kill herself. Others believe that Molly was actually murdered and that it was staged to look like a suicide. I mean, she may have been murdered by Francis Sorrel himself trying to cover up what had happened. It could also have been one of Matilda's children in revenge for their mother's death. It is now believed that both Molly and Matilda's spirits haunt this home, and this could be due to the tragic circumstances and the high emotions associated with her death. Visitors report feeling a dark energy in the home, and it is believed that this dark energy is associated with the hundreds of soldiers who died during the siege of Savannah, which, if you remember, was the bloodiest battle fought nearby at the Madison Square. There are even some reports that people hear the sound of gunfire and other sounds of war, especially in the quiet of night. And remember, experts state that some of the soldiers may be buried beneath the sorrel weed house, which would account for the energy, and it also may be the reason that people are hearing gunshots and things like that, as it may be signs of a residual haunting taking place. Those who are sensitive to psychic energy have also reported feeling a sense of panic in the room, but they can't explain why they feel that sense. This could also be the root cause of the ghostly figure that many people have captured on camera. Multiple people have captured a man when taking a picture at a mirror in the living room above the fireplace. There have been different cameras, different people, and different days, but these people take a picture and it's the same man in the same outfit. It is believed that this man in the pictures is one of the soldiers who passed away. Though, while most believe it is a man, some claim that the image looks like a female. And what I will do is post some of the various pictures on social media of this person in the mirror, and you can decide whether you think that it may be a Civil War soldier, maybe a woman. I'm not sure, but you can decide as well. Other people have reported spotting a woman wearing black which is actually kind of a nice change from all the reports of the woman in white in pretty much every story I seem to research. But this woman in black is seen walking around the property, and it appears to people who see her that she's looking for something, and some believe that it is the company of someone, and that this may be Matilda who leapt to her death and is now stuck roaming the outside of the property, maybe looking for Francis Sorrel or who knows who. 
There are dark silhouettes that are spotted in the halls of the home, and many claim to have actually captured images of their spirit on their camera. You can often hear banging around the home, and you can even sometimes hear people's voices. People claim to hear the sound of a party going on in the living room, but when they go to check it out, the sounds completely disappear, and no one can actually determine the source of the sound. Now, Matilda was actually known for hosting really extravagant social gatherings in the house, so this may be her residual spirit hosting the events even in the afterlife. Molly is said not to haunt the main home, but actually her quarters in which she died. And people who enter the quarter state that they hear footsteps, they'll feel nauseous, drowsy, and those who are really sensitive have also reported a feeling of panic in the house, but they really can't figure out why they feel that panic. Most alarmingly, though, is people state that they feel as if they were being choked. And this may be associated with the feeling that Molly would have felt while hanging from the rafters. Also, cell phone and camera batteries that were fully charged when they entered the house will be fully drained of their battery while visiting the home. In the basement, there are reports of a shadow man, and he hangs out around the breezeway. He could be a shadow figure from slave times, as it is believed that slaves were quartered in the basement. And people also report feeling their clothes being tugged on, purses being unbuckled, and even their jewelry trying to be pulled off. Now, these are a lot of the reports that are said to be going on in the house, and who is said to be causing the disturbances, I guess you'd call them. Well, of course, I'm going to get into a little bit of fact-checking. Now, the wife, Matilda, it is shown that she actually did cause her own death by jumping from the upper level of the home. And there are a few sources to corroborate this. One of those sources is a man named Charles C. Jones Jr. He was a friend and business associate of Francis Sorrell. And on the day that Matilda died, Charles actually wrote a letter to his mother stating, quote, The sad news has reached the office that Mrs. Sorrell, probably in a fit of lunacy, sprang from the second or third story window of her residence on Harris Street, next door to the house which was the family mansion for so many years falling upon the pavement of the yard and by the concussion terminating her life, end quote. Two days later, Charles's mother also seemed to indicate the reason for the tragedy, writing that, quote, the death of Mrs. Sorrell was very distressing. I heard some time since that she was subject to great mental depression, end quote. Those close to Matilda may have been aware that she had a mental condition, Though Matilda was a board member of the local female asylum, so if she was suffering from things such as depression or suicidal tendencies, her condition may have been kept hidden so that she could maintain her status and really just not embarrass her family. Also, it could have been something where the family just didn't think it was that bad, she was just a little sad, but this correspondence is pretty strong evidence to indicate that Matilda was either suffering from depression or was perceived as depressed at the time close to her death. So it is likely it was a suicide. Now, Charles Jones is also clear in his indication that she jumped from the upper balcony of the townhouse next door at 12 West Harris Street, not the family's former house, 
at 6 West Harris Street that the Sorrels had sold to the Weed family. So the Sorrel Weed House is not where she passed away. Now, why would Matilda be haunting the Weed Sorrel House when she hadn't lived there for quite some time and had actually died in the nearby home where she had been living? There's also a letter from Frances Sorrel dated October 8th of 1860, about seven months after Matilda had died. The letter is to his son, Alexander Claxton. And in the letter, Francis Sorrell praises the sermon of his pastor and laments, quote, how my dear and beloved wife would have enjoyed this visit of our friends if her life had been preserved and how much more comfortable she would have made them than I have been enabled to do. But I must not enlarge on this sorrowful subject the Lord has bereaved me and laid his chastening rod heavily upon me, and I must submit, end quote. With the sentence, laid his chastening rod upon me, this is something that's a common phrase in Christian text, and it actually seems to suggest that in some way that he felt he deserved the loss of his wife or did something to cause it. Could this be because Mr. Sorrell murdered his wife? Or was she driven to suicide because of his affair and he felt guilty for this? And what about the slave girl, Molly? And what about the slave girl, Molly? So slave manifests show that there was a 28-year-old woman named Molly who was a resident of Savannah. She was owned by Frances Sorrell and described as black who traveled from Savannah to New York City on a ship named the Augusta. She was transported in 1857, though, about two years before Matilda's suicide. And also, there is no record of Molly returning to Savannah, so she could have been sold by Francis at the point where she went to New York City. So it doesn't seem likely that this slave, Molly, would have been the Molly that is transpired in these stories. But there's also a second record. There's a young 22-year-old slave named Molly, who traveled from Charleston to Savannah on a ship named the Gordon, though she was actually owned by a man named Charles Green. But Charles Green was the Sorrel's neighbor who lived on Madison Square as well, and he was a close friend of Francis. He owned the slave girl named Molly, and it could have been an instance where he shared Molly with Francis. It's not unheard of at this time. Remember, slaves are property. There's also, remember, the speculation that not only was Matilda murdered, but that Molly may have been murdered as well. And this was suggested due to the height of the ceiling in her room, as well as the lack of furniture in the room that she would have been able to climb on to actually hang herself. So there have been multiple theories that Molly and Matilda may have both been murdered as a cover-up for something. Though, regardless of whether their deaths were due to murder or suicide, their spirits may be haunting here in a state of unrest. Now, at the end of all of this, I don't see why Matilda would haunt this home. Again, she didn't die here. She hadn't lived here for quite a while. And while her spirit may be associated with the home nearby where she did actually pass away, there haven't been any reports of her spirit haunting that home. And Molly would likely haunt this area if she did indeed die here. Now, some people claim that she haunts the carriage house, others state the slave quarters, which are in the basement of the main home. So there's very different accounts of where she's haunting. And also, no one is sure if she actually existed. 
or if this is just one of those legends handed through the years, it could be possible that Matilda just committed suicide as she was depressed and had a mental condition, and this was just kind of explaining it all away from legend. It's quite possible that the spirits of fallen soldiers may still inhabit the Sorrel Weed House and the general area, and there may be the spirits also of those who passed on while this was a rental property as well, as we don't have records who lived here at that time, people could have passed away. There was an investigation by the TAPS team of ghost hunters that was able to capture a very distinctive yelling that actually lasted for several seconds and is pretty compelling. I'll actually post that link on social media so you can check it out for yourself. And also, I was actually really surprised at the good amount of photographic evidence that has been found with this story. I've done a lot of research on all these episodes, and previous to this, I really haven't found anything other than dust orbs and things like that. But again, there are some really good apparition photos and things like that, so I'm going to include those on social media as well. Um, and the place has just really intrigued me. Again, it's the first story I've seen pretty good proof with the story to back it up. So definitely an awesome place to check out, and I'm not that far from it, so one of these days, I'm definitely going to check out the Sorrel Weed House. Now that's all I have today on the Sorrel Weed House, and I would love to hear your feedback on whether you think this property is haunted or not. Maybe you've been here, you have some photographic evidence, or just some facts you'd like to share. I'd also love to hear your feedback on this episode or a suggestion you may have for a future episode. So make sure you tune in every Wednesday, wherever you tune in, and don't forget to leave a review and follow this podcast. You can also follow on social media for more information on each episode as well as these pictures and links. You can follow on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed, or you can always shoot an email over to paranormalexposedpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next Wednesday.